When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook to use, but it is also America's top-rated sportsbook. And speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold. And DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. That is essentially free money. That is as free as money can ever get, and an offer like this does not come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action, and it helps a lot that DraftKings Sportsbook is incredibly easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action, no matter the sport, whether it's the big four here in North America or any sport around the world at any time, any time of day, any day of the week. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. And hey, we don't have five million things to talk about today because the offseason is finally looking like it's dying down just a little bit. There's, there's still some things to come. It's not dead. There's still... Some names left on the market, still some trades that need to happen. Uh, We might see Evander Kane get kicked out of the league in the next week or so. You know, just things that everyone expected coming into this offseason. We can talk about all that later. But the Avalanche have had some moves come down since the last episode. And like it always seems to be the case recently, some good news, some bad news. And some, that that is definitely news. That is just news. And the big one to me, Brandon Saad, is not signing in Colorado. He will be going to the St. Louis Blues, which sucks. He signs a five-year contract worth $4.5 million a year and is now officially a member of the St. Louis Blues because Saad saw just how badly the Avalanche kicked the shit out of them in the first round and thought, yeah, that's where I want to go win a Stanley Cup. And apparently he believes that. That's what he said. But 
all the power to him. He got the contract he deserved. Honestly, less than I thought it would be. And losing Saad for that little to a division rival, no less, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, that stings. That actually stings quite a bit. At $4.5 million, I really would have liked Brandon Saad this day. I've thought all all the time in the lead-up to free agency that Saad was probably going to get in the upper fives when it came to his next contract. He made $6 million on his last deal. I thought wherever he signed, whether it was in L.A. or even with Colorado, that it was going to be probably around five and a half. Honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if he signed like almost identical identical contract. Maybe not six years, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he signed like a three-year deal worth six million bucks. But to see him get, which is, which is essentially the cadre cap hit at four point five, I don't, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like it. I'm gonna be honest. I don't like it. I think we could have, I think we could have found a way to make that work. It, even at four point five, to be fair, it would have been difficult to make that work with the cap even with the the cap space that the Avalanche have at the moment. But still, it it would have been nice. We have $4.38 million in cap because of the other happy news. We re-signed Tyson Jost to a $2 million contract for two years, which is exactly what I said it would be. Uh, Pat myself on the back for that one for shooting in the dark and getting 1% of my predictions right ever. Uh, I'll be sure to let that slide sometime in the future, but that's why our cap space is less now. We'll talk about Jost more a little later, but we would already be out of room for Sod if we did sign him, or I mean, we'd be out of room if we signed Sod. But the team would look pretty decent right now. You'd have top line back together. You'd have Sod, Kadri, and Burakovsky, Nichushkin, Jost, and Kompfer. And fourth line pretty much up in the air. A lot of candidates down there. But Saad's gone. He's off to St. Louis. And the thing I hate most about that is that is a really damn good fit for him. And he's probably going to be very, very good there. And that annoys me a lot as a division rival that we're going to see four to five times a year. He's a real good fit there. Probably going to swing up from their first and second line, play with O'Reilly and Braden Shen. The Blues quietly had a really good offseason, and I kind of hate it because they added Saad and Bushnevich to their top six. Tarasenko is, is not going to be there, but it seems like his value is depreciating every every single day that he's not traded we'll see what kind of return they get at that point but i i kind of like the blues offseason and i kind of like how their team looks i mean that's like their top line could be o'reilly sod bushnevich and robert thomas could get a nice promotion for them their defense, uh, it's not that good. Krug, Falk, Scandella, Pareko, nice top four. Uh, Mikola and Bortuzzo, eh, it's okay. And then Bennington, Huso, not good. Not that good at all. Bennington's all right. Huso is not. But the Blues, 
mm, they kind of had a good offseason, and I kind of hate that. And, I mean, and losing Sot hurts. That, that one stung a lot. I didn't expect him back, but I expected him at a higher contract, and I didn't expect him to go to St. Louis. It, se- it seemed like the Avalanche were still in on him. Carolina was also rumored to be in on him, as well as New Jersey. I think there were some other teams in there. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was rumored a while that the Kings ran on him, but then they went out and got Phil Deneau. My Just my first reaction to seeing that was, really? We we couldn't have done four and a half, and the, the five-year term, it doesn't scare me, honestly. I think Saad on this Avalanche team was the kind of player in the playoffs that can help push you to that next level. I mean, in the Vegas series alone, yes, I know a, some of those goals were very lucky, but you need to get lucky in the playoffs, and Saad just has a history of coincidentally getting lucky in the playoffs. He's a very good playoff performer. I think he was the kind of player on this team that as long as your big guns are firing, he's the kind of second, third-line guy that can really elevate your team to another level. And I think it's going to be a loss to replace him. I mean, I loved pretty much whatever line he was ever on, whether it was the second line with Burakovsky and Kadri, and especially the third line, the Nachushkin, Jost, and Sod line, just hit different sometimes. That line, there were times that line was just so damn good, so good defensively. They weren't always putting putting pucks in the net, but you could tell every time they were on the ice. And even just the ideal lineup, uh, like I said, of, of Burakovsky, Kadri, and Saad just, just seemed to work a lot of the time. There were a couple times last season where just there needed to be some chemistry changes for that line, but most of the time, it it worked damn well, especially when Kadri and Burakovsky just were going at the same time. The thing with that line is Burakovsky is hot and cold. Kadri had a rough season. Saad was very consistent, and Saad always did what Saad did best at all times. He got to the front of the net, and he just he did exactly what we paid him to do. He was exactly as advertised. And I'm going to miss him. The Blues are getting a very good player with the Sod father. And I, ju- I just wish we could have made a contract work. And at 4.5, yes, I know, looking at the cap, we would already be over. And there's still some work that we need to do in other positions, but especially on offense, too. And maybe you sign another defenseman, maybe you have to make another move in order to get that done if you sign Sod, but ever since the playoffs, I've always just been I've always been a proponent of you should sign Sod because he just brings a level of stability to your top six that you just can't find with a lot of guys. He's experienced, he's not old, and he does exactly what he's asked to do every single night. So now you look at the top six without Brandon Saad and without really many options to choose from for your top six from here on out, and it's just not all that appealing. I mean, if you don't sign like a true top six forward, who are you plugging in there? Is it going to be JT Comfer? I really hope not. Is it going to be Alex Newhook? I like that better. I'll be honest. I like that better. And that has the potential to work out really well, especially if Newhook breaks out. But what if he doesn't? 
What if he? What if the twenty-year-old just isn't ready for a top-six role in the NHL on every, every night? Is it going to be Nachushkin on that second line? Are you going to sign someone like? This is especially like a, something I said last episode. This is something where you feel the loss of Don Skoy here too. Because the answer would have been Don Skoy. Like if they took Comfer over Don Skoy, you just you have Don Skoy up on that second line and you're not you're not really thinking about it all that much. You've done that before with two seasons ago, and it was it was alright. I mean, it wasn't like a amazing second line with Burakovsky, Kadri, Don Skoy, but it was very good. There was nothing really wrong with it. And losing him and Saad, it at a certain point, that just it becomes difficult to replace. And you look at the free agent market now. You look at just forwards, you sort by points. Tomas Tatar, Kyle Palmieri, Derek Broussard, Joe Thornton, Travis Zajac, Ryan Donato, Zach Parisi, Tyler Bozak, Alex Chason, Val Filpula. Some other names lower on down the top 10 include Dominic Cahoon, Bobby Ryan, Marcus Johansson, Alex Galchenyuk. I, I think it kind of just ends from there. Really, I'd say Tatar is the only guy that could plug into a top six consistently every night. Maybe Gouch like he did in Toronto, but Tatar is a weird is a weird player because he's good and Montreal on the Tatar line, I forget who exactly was on that line, but the line he was on was analytically one of the best lines in the league when it came to driving play and expected goals. But he played five games in the playoffs. He was scratched for a majority of the Canadians' playoff run. He had one assist. And last season in 50 games, he had 10 points, 20 assists for 30 points in 50 games, which is very good. Why is Tomas Tatar always getting scratched in the playoffs? Vegas traded for him out of Detroit. They traded a first, a second, and a third for him in their inaugural season. And from what I remember, he didn't really even play in the playoffs until, like, the final. I think he scored a goal in the final that was just pure luck, just pure straight-up luck. And that was one of his two goals in the entire playoff run. For Vic, or no, it was the only goal he scored for the the Stanley Cup final run with Vegas. Just a very strange player, analytically very strong, but I also find it weird he just hasn't been signed yet. Cause there's a lot of teams that he could work with here, including the Avalanche. But it doesn't. There's not a whole lot of chatter about him, and I, I just I wonder what's going on with that, and. I don't know, maybe there's just something that none of us are seeing here. I mean, I wouldn't mind Tatar on the Avalanche, but it's probably going to be expensive. And hopefully it's a one-year deal. Like, if it's $4 million for one year, I think you can live with that, and it makes your team better. It, you can plug them into your top six. It, it just gives you that flexibility again with your top six that you've now lost here with Saad and Donskoy. But for some reason, I just don't like it. There's just something in my instincts that just tell me no. Uh, don't do that. I there's I ha- I have no rational explanation for it. I have no evidence to back this up. I don't at all. I just don't think you should do it. There's just something in my instincts that are telling me do not 
sign him and maybe they do sign him and maybe he's great and I have to listen back to this and be like what the actual hell am I talking about with this there's just I look at that I think about him on the abs and I I look at the numbers and I look at analytically he'd be a great addition to that second line with Burakovsky and Kadri but for some reason I just don't like it something doesn't feel right about it Again, I have no numbers to back that up. I have no evidence to support my discomfort towards it. But I just don't like it. There's something about it. I can't put my finger on why I don't want Tomas Tatar. But I just don't like it. And I don't think it's be, it'd be a good idea. I don't think he'll work here for just whatever reason. And you look at other names on the list, I think Ryan Donato could be an interesting addition into the the bottom six, maybe not into a, a top six role, but maybe you just you take a chance on him at maybe a little over a million dollars. Again, Donato is a very, has had a very strange career. He started in Boston and built this huge hype train around him in his first 12 games. He came from Harvard and the Donato hype train in Boston was rolling along strong. He plays another year in Boston. He's okay. Then he gets traded to Minnesota for Charlie Coyle. And just when he was still fine in Minnesota, you know, he had 14 goals over the course of the 62 game season in his first four, his first full year with them. And then he just got traded again for a third round pick to San Jose and he had six goals in 50 games with them last year at 20 points and then just didn't get qualified and is now a free agent so he's 25 years old I think there's still some potential there I wouldn't mind giving him a run maybe on a bottom six roll or just to just just as just to give him a shot just because I don't know I've always liked Donato and I think that there's something there with him I wouldn't mind that. I think this is going to, if you're not getting Tatar and you're not making a trade, you're probably going to have to platoon some guys here. I like signing Ryan Donato at a, maybe a little under one and a half million. And there's also another hole on defense that still needs to be filled. Uh, I like Ryan Murray on the left side. He's available. And I think he fits the Avalanche's style of play. And you, you do that also on your defense. McCarr, Gerard, Eric Johnson, Devon Tays, Bo Byram, Ryan Murray, your extra defenseman is Curtis McDermott or Jacob McDonald. I think that's a very good defense, especially if Byram takes a step and Murray would be a great partner for him. I don't want to give Curtis McDermott NHL time. I'd rather avoid that. And Donato, I just kind of have him plugging back and forth between extra forward and the fourth line. I put I just put together a roster on cap front again, and we'll talk about some of the moves that they made in just a second. I'm just on a little bit of a ramble here, but I think Ryan Donato could be a decent addition to the bottom six. I think what the Avalanche need here, just because they don't really have, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't really have many options when it comes to adding a top six forward outside of Tatar. Again, Palmieri, I think, is staying with the Islanders. If he wasn't, someone would have signed him already. I just don't know what they're doing with that. And I think they're just going to need to add some more bodies to the lineup because 
if one of these big guns gets hurt, and I'm, I'm going to call the, these, the big guns, McKinnon, Ranson, Landeskog, Burakovsky, Kadri, if one of them gets hurt, oh, this team's in some shit, man. I mean, we saw it with Kadri. When Kadri put, took himself out of the playoffs, our center depth was all of a sudden in shit, and that was with a more depth than what we have now. Like, let's let's say, let's, go, let's just go worst case scenario. McKinnon's out for even a little bit of time. We'd be in a world of shit anyway, but there's just not a lot of depth. We lost, we've just lost a lot of depth over the last little while that we're going to have some trouble replacing. And just this team, it's not bad. I like this team. This team is going to win the division. It's going to win the Central Division, I'd, I'd say probably pretty heavily, and be a Stanley Cup contender. Still, it's not as good as the one last year, but it's still very good. But it's very susceptible to injuries. If Burakovsky gets hurt, you're looking at a second line, a new hook, Kadri, Kompfer, or Nachushkin. Like, I just need, I need to see some more bodies here, whether that's Tyler Ennis or Alex Chason or Ryan Donato. Dominic Cahoon could be an option. Marcus Johansson could be a good option. I like, I like Marcus Johansson a lot. I think he'd be a solid option. Alex Galchenyuk could be interesting. I mean, we saw with the Leafs that there is still something there, even if it's not something special. He could be a decent bottom six kind of skilled forward. There's some. I think there is something there with that that maybe it might be worth taking a little bit of a shot on him. I mean, there's, there's still guys available, like Tyler Ennis, like I said, could be something. Uh, a Lucas Walmark could be something. And what are some other names on here? Casey Sezikis, I can't imagine he doesn't re-sign with the Islanders. Dominic Cahoon could be interesting. I don't know why Edmonton didn't give him a qualifying offer, even. Nine goals in 48 games, 15 points. Not bad. He's a fine player. I mean... Maybe he overperformed a bit with the Penguins. No, I mean, I think there's something there with Cahoon. That could be interesting, too. But the point the point I'm getting at here before I ramble on for much longer is that I don't think it's going to... I think it's too late to sign one guy and call it a day. I think signing maybe two guys to your forward core could be helpful. Again, I, I would probably take... A shot on Ryan Donato and maybe Dominic Cahoon or Alex Chason just for bottom six roles. And on defense, I don't have to think about it too much. I think they should get Ryan Murray for $2 million for one year. Stick him on the left side. All of a sudden, that defense looks very good again. And this team looks about ready to roll. But uh, before I ramble on too much about roster building, again, the Avalanche made some other moves. They re-signed Tyson Jost to exactly what I thought they would sign him to for $2 million for two years. He'll be the third-line center. There's nothing to complain about with this contract, even though I I saw plenty of people complaining about this contract for whatever reason that I can't explain. I Like, what? Why do people not like Tyson Jost? Like, I get he was a 10th overall pick in 2016, and he's probably not going to be the guy that we envisioned when we picked him that high five years ago, but the kid's still good. And maybe he's not the, the offensive, like, juggernaut that we were expecting 
out of him. Like, we, we always expect every prospect you ever draft to just be a juggernaut. But Jost has developed his game nicely into being a two-way center. And I, I expect some nice things from him next year. With the contract now under his belt, two years to prove himself and get a decent payday on his next contract, I think in a third-line role, he's going to do very well. His defensive play has been great. I think his offensive game, if it takes a nice developmental step, maybe 15 goals could be in the realm of possibility. He scored seven in 54 games last year, and he really only started scoring halfway through the season. So that's maybe seven goals in about, like, 27 games when you really think about it. Like, it wasn't really until later that he's actually started to score. And if he can do that, like, from beginning of the season to end at a reasonably consistent rate for Joe's standards, I think 15 could be in the realm of possibility. I mean, he scored 12 in his first full season, 11 the year after that. I think there's some potential there for Joe's to develop his game offensively, and if he can stay consistent defensively, then you've got a real you got a real solid player there that you really shouldn't be all that worried about. And if I can track down the the J Fresh hockey card, that yeah, his numbers show that he's a bottom six defensive forward and says that he's stalled out a bit offensively. His wins above replacement defensive percentage has him in the the top eleven percent of even strength defense, which is very good. And his offense is forty one percent, which is in the bottom half and projected wins above replacement as a whole is 42%. There's still a lot of room to grow here, but again, the contract, two years, $2 million, we're not overpaying him. That's exactly what he kind of should be getting for his production in the past and what we can expect from him in the future. And, you know, that's third. That's a young third-line center money. And if his game takes a step offensively, that's going to be a good deal. And again, like... I don't understand the the people who have a problem with Tyson Jones. Yes, he he's he needs to work on a few things, and his development isn't done. But you cannot deny that that guy gives one million percent every single time that he is on the ice. He he tries his ass off. There is not a game that I can remember where he takes nights off, and it just it goes to show that you just can't please everybody all the time. You know, there's always going to be people that just say this guy sucks and this guy sucks and you press them on it and they're like, he just sucks. They, 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 don't, they don't know why. He just sucks. He doesn't score. He doesn't play defense. And I'm just talking generally here. But there's always a reason for everyone as to why they suck and why they're horrible. And just for someone to watch Jost play and be like, I don't like that guy. I just, I don't see it. I don't get it. That guy works his ass off every single night. And he, if he continues to grow and develop, he's not going to be a superstar. You know, he might not even ever be the second line center on this team with Alex Newhook on the trajectory that he's on. But you get what you get. And the, you could do a lot worse than Tyson Jost. That guy works hard. He gets rewarded. Everyone loves him on the team. And he's only going to keep growing from here. I'm very excited to see what the future has in store for him next season. And if he performs well next season, you've got him for another year 
at $2 million bucks, and you can take care of him again after that. But again, I've got no problem with this deal. This is, this is exactly what I thought it would be down to the last dollar. So I've got no problem with it. I've got no problem with Jost, and he's going to be the 3C next year and probably do quite well with it. But staying on the center position for a moment, the Avalanche made another move at their center position, signing Darren Helm to a one-year deal worth $1 million. Now, this is essentially a Belmar slash Calvert replacement all in one. They my, my reaction to this deal when I first saw it was, huh, cool. Darren Helm hasn't been really much for a while. He's been a perennial bottom six guy on the Detroit Red Wings. To be quite honest, I had no idea Darren Helm was still playing. No disrespect to him whatsoever, but I had no idea that guy was still playing. I honestly thought he retired last season or retired this season. To see that he signed, my first reaction was, oh, Helm is still playing? But the thing is, I went back and I watched a little bit of film, read a little bit of analysis on him. The fit here actually kind of works when you think about it. You know, like, don't, don't expect any offense from him whatsoever. He is a purely bottom six defensive forward. He is going to be stapled to that fourth line all year long. He's going to play probably most of the season barring injuries or performance, but the plan is for him to play fourth line pretty much the entire season. Do not expect any offense from him. Like, expect from him what you would expect from Belmar. And the thing is, he kind of replaces both Belmar and Calvert. I mean, Belmar obviously went to Tampa Bay, Calvert retired, and good for him. That guy took enough of a beating in his career. And Helm kind of replaces them both. He brings a little bit more speed to the table, which is kind of surprising given the kind of player he is, but he was kind of leaned on with some tough defensive matchups with the Red Wings in the past, even with them being as shit as they were last several seasons. He does get kind of asked to take care of those defensive assignments, and he's going to probably play on the penalty kill, almost certainly going to play on the penalty kill with the Avalanche, and just probably take a lot of defensive zone draws and just pr- try to nullify the play as much as possible. If honestly, the less you're noticing Darren Helm, the better. This is basically a, a, a defensive signing at forward. Do not expect offense from this man whatsoever. If you are, you are you're just not being reasonable. That's not what he's going to be here for. You know, and He's played 744 games throughout his career. He's got 112 goals, 251 points. And, no, he's just not that kind of guy. He's not going to be an offensive dynamo. That's never what he was in Detroit. He's just a a guy. He's there. He's going to play on the fourth line. I don't really expect anything from it other than this. He's going to be there. I did... It's not a signing worth getting excited about. This is the fourth line. Not really going to be doing anything with it, but he'll be fine. He'll be gone after this year. It's not really anything to to get worked up about. And uh, some of the other small signings that the Avalanche did since then, uh, Stefan Matteau, Dylan Secura, 
and Jordan Gross. Quite realistically, if any of these guys see NHL games, there's probably a lot of guys injured in front of them. The most likely to see NHL games would be Dylan Secura. He played with the the Golden Knights last season, I believe, and he played for the Blackhawks before that. And, I mean, he'll be fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. There's not, I mean, there's not, it's really not even anything worth bringing up. I mean, Secura, I mean, it's it says something that the, the Colorado Eagles announced this signing as well. Secura is 26 years old, and he played six games with the Golden Knights last year. He scored two goals. He played nine games the year before with the Blackhawks. He scored one goal. He's played 53 games in his career. He scored three goals. You're not really going to see this guy in the NHL. Stefan Matteau is probably also not touching the NHL. Neither is Jordan Gross. Probably never going to talk about those guys ever again on the show. And so just getting back on to the, the roster builder, looking ahead towards next season. Again, it's just the that wing on the second line that I'm a bit concerned about. And that bottom pair on the left side defense. I don't want Curtis McDermott playing regular NHL minutes. As much as I love Jacob McDonald, I don't think you're putting him in a great spot if you're making him do that either. I really like Ryan Murray in that spot. I think he fits the Avalanche's style of play on defense quite well. I mean, you look at some of the other names that are out there. You've got some guys like a um, Sammy Votnin. You've got a Jordy Ben out there. Eric Gustafson, nah, I, I wouldn't like Eric Gustafson. We talked a little bit about Shara. I'm not up for that. Ben Hutton could be interesting. He's probably cheaper than Murray is. So if you if you have to save money on the cap to sign another forward or sign another defenseman or do whatever you want, Hutton might be better in that regard because he's probably going to cost maybe around more league men. Well, Murray might cost a, probably more closer to $2 million. I mean, it might depend. I mean, he also hasn't been signed at this point. Who knows the kind of offers that have been thrown his way, so maybe you can get him for cheaper. But if I had to pick anyone from this list, it would ha- it would have to be Ryan Murray. I mean, he's not anything special. I mean, he was picked second overall in 2012. That was a very weak draft, and he's dealt with injuries a lot in his career, and that's the main concern here is the injury history with him. There's a chance he could just get hit with a puck or take a hit and we never see him again but if he's healthy it's almost like a Darcy Kemper thing if he's healthy I think that's a very good fit in Colorado and just the kind of signing that can make your third pair a lot better and be a very good partner for Bo Byram in the future and if not him I I mean Sammy Votnin I don't really think is a bad option there Jordy Ben is okay I think if I had to go in order, I'd say Murray number one, Ben Hutton number two, Votnin three, maybe Jason Demers four, and no Jordy Ben at number five. None of the other guys really interest me all that much. Connor Carrick is, I wouldn't want to rely on him in any capacity. He's had his chances to prove it at the NHL level. It's just it's just not there with him really. So. Again, I think you you need to find a way to maybe plug someone in on that top six. I mean, if you're going ahead with Newhook, 
if the team trusts him for that, then I'll trust them on that decision. Just you're putting a lot of faith in a 20-year-old kid that's played not a lot of NHL games in his career. And if, I mean, they see him more than I do. I mean, he's played a grand total of 14 games, six of them in the regular season, eight of them in the playoffs. And he looked good. He looked very, very good in those games. I don't know if I would just be like, all right, kid, here's a top six role. You got two years left on an entry-level deal. Uh, we're relying on you a lot. If you fuck this up, then we're going to be in a bad spot and have to put Comfer up there. Just That's where I go back to Tatar, and maybe that you can make that work. But just for whatever reason, I don't like that. I, I said it earlier. I just, there's a, there's a gut reaction every time I hear that brought up. Just like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I don't know why that, maybe it's the getting scratched in the playoffs thing that just bothers me. But if you are plugging New Hook into that top six, it's going to save you money for sure. I mean, he's on his entry-level deal still. But I think you should have another plan and maybe insulate New Hook a little more by bringing him in with your third line or your fourth line. And if he starts to come through and perform then yeah, absolutely, reward him with that second-line spot. and But for like day one puck drop against the Blackhawks on October 13th, I just, no. I just don't think that would be a very good idea. It's a, I, New Hook is great, and he's going to be great. When Kadri leaves after next year, New Hook is going to be that second-line center, probably for, the, for as long as we have him here. And... So you, you're going to have to put him there at some point next season just so he can get used to playing that role. Even if it's not at center, you're going to have to do that so he can get used to that role. But opening night, having that be your plan for the season, I think there are better ways to go about that. I mean, just with the roster that I just haphazardly put together on Cat Friendly for next season, I signed Ryan Donato at one and a half, Ryan Murray at $2 million, Curtis McDermott as an extra defenseman, you still have just about a million and a half in cap space. You can still do stuff here. You can still sign a, an Ennis or a Demers or maybe a Galchenyuk or something like a cheap forward along those lines. And I'm, I, the Avalanche are not done here. They still have some business left to do, and I'm very interested to see what they could have up their sleeve. I mean, the the craziness of free agency and this offseason are pretty much over. I mean, we're kind of just getting the odd news story here and there. I mean, it's still very, very entertaining. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Evander Kane might be booted from the league Pete Rose style for betting on his own games. We'll see, we'll see how true that allegation is, but if it is, ah, uh, wow, that is a bomb. I mean, Evander Kane, it's not exactly a secret that he has a massive gambling addiction and is in, has been in major debt before with Las Vegas casinos. I'm not I'm not even going to attempt to get into that story cuz I won't even begin to to do it justice and we've just barely begun to find out about it but that could be a bombshell 
just waiting to drop over the next few days. And everything with the Jack Eichel trade, Eichel's agents have been putting a lot of pressure on the Sabres. They say they were expecting him to be dealt by now. And we'll see if the Sabres bend on that and are willing to take less. But I was, it was almost to a point before Eichel's um, agents released that statement that were demeaning the Sabres and saying they, he was expected to be traded by now. I was kind of expecting a, a Matt Duchesne situation with them where they might even bring Eichel into play next year. I mean, we all remember Matt Duchesne with the that now infamous picture of him at training camp where he, where he looks like he would rather be anywhere else. Like, he just looks like the saddest man alive on picture day. No smiles, no nothing. And obviously, you all know how that went. We got the massive Matt Duchesne Hall that changed the entire course of the franchise. I kind of thought that's what they were going to do with Eichel for a while. But if they're putting the pressure on them like this, how can you start the season with him? Like, you did... Maybe at a certain point, you just take less than you want. If it, It's still got to be a good package. Don't just take a shitty package to get it over with. But maybe you take like a, a few less assets than you want and just bite this bullet and get it over with. I mean, just everything with the Sabres just has to be so damn painful. Like it just has to be so dragged out and makes everyone miserable. And they, I mean, they're tearing it down. Arizona's done a much better job than they have. But they're gonna they're gonna be competing for Shane Wright next year for sure, and they're gonna set the NHL record for the longest playoff drought in the in NHL history. I don't remember exactly how many seasons, but they're gonna they're gonna set that record. This team stinks something awful, and without Eichel, it's gonna be Middlestat on the top line, and. It, they don't have goalies. It's going to be Aaron Dell and Craig Anderson as their tandem next year. Craig Anderson was the third goalie in Washington, and Dell was like the third goalie in New Jersey. That team sucks. Oh my god. The Sabres are going to be even worse. They're going to be going head-to-head with the Coyotes, and I think the Coyotes might be better than them. Even with the horrible roster they've assembled here, even with all the picks they've assembled, there are NHL players here. They have an actual line of Keller, Dvorak, Kessel, Kraus, Schmaltz, Fisher, Hayton, Larson, Dmitry Yashkin, Ryan Dezingle, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson. Their goalies are Carter Hutton and Joseph Coronar. Coronar's probably going to be the number one there, but he's young and has potential. Uh, uh, Looking at this, the Coyotes are going to be much better than the Sabres. The Sabres are going to be the worst team in the NHL next year. And they just need to bite the damn bullet and trade Eichel. Don't trade I mean don't trade him for nothing. Get a solid return back. I think he, thinking about it now he goes to Anaheim. I think Minnesota took themselves out of the equation. That's where I thought he was going to go, but then they went and spent like 5 million dollars on like Alex Goligowski. Actually, I'm totally wrong on that. They still have 19 million dollars. Uh, they still have Fiala and Kaprizov to sign, but they spent like $5 million on Alex Goligowski, and Minnesota is going to be interesting next year. That's The Central Division, I can't place it. I have the Avalanche on top, I have the Coyotes on the bottom, and Nashville just above Arizona for at the bottom of the division, but after that, it gets very convoluted, and maybe there's still moves left to come. On for most teams in the division, but this, the 
the very basic bare-bones central division I put together for next year has Colorado and just, I'm not even confident saying this, like St. Louis, Minnesota, Dallas, Winnipeg, Chicago, Nashville, Arizona. I still think Chicago misses the playoffs even after Fleury announced he was going to play for them. And like Seth Jones isn't going to help them all that much. They're not a bad team. They're going to be a competitive team next year. I just don't think they make it. The Central all of a sudden got kind of good, like overnight in the offseason. Colorado still wins that division. They're still the best team here. But it's going to be very interesting to follow, to say the least, for next season. But there'll be plenty of time to cover the Central and all the other divisions and everything that happened in the offseason. I'm so overwhelmed with everything that happened. I just have to like run through every team and just look at their rosters again and memorize all of them so I can actually get it straight for next season and everything that they did. But for now, at least, that's going to do it for this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Follow me on Twitter at GYoungsNHL and follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. Maybe we'll still have some new stuff to, with the Avalanche to talk about in the future. It might get quiet over the next little while. If that's the case, I'll work on some ideas in the meantime to continue to fill out episodes. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. Have a great week.